Today tastes like heading out the door and driving into town. It tastes like grabbing snacks and a Coke and singing as loud as you can. Today tastes like anything could happen. And it never tasted this good. Summer tastes better with Coca-Cola. Wherever you're going this week, don't forget to grab an ice-cold, refreshing Coca-Cola from 7-Eleven. The been thinking about McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Zozo Championship. As usual, I am here with everybody's favorite Canadian, my partner in crime, uh, the Canadian Pitbull, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you doing this week, brother? What an intro. My God. I'm doing, I'm doing great, fella. I'm having a good week. Uh, you know, it wasn't the best NFL week, but golf was pretty good. And getting into another one, I couldn't really stand that shit last night, if I'm being honest. But, you know, the course looks phenomenal. So I am excited for this week with what we've got ahead. And, and the course looks great. So I can't wait to see it play out. Yeah, I mean, I stayed up and watched yesterday. I mean, it was it was, it was fine. I mean, it's an exhibition. It's not going to be like the best golf you ever see. I mean, these guys are all buddies are out there. It's like me and you went out with a foursome drinking some beers and playing golf. I mean, that's sort of what it was. And, you know, you get to see Tiger. You get to see the course. It wasn't that bad. Uh, but let's talk about the tournament last week. JT winning again, second time in three years for the CJ Cup. Uh, he was solid. He was definitely one that we definitely had our eyes on uh, going into the week. Um and then Kepka withdraw withdrew. Uh, other guys that were in it, Danny Lee. Danny Lee's story is pretty pretty crazy. I mean, if you haven't heard, um, you know, first off, he was playing in front of his home country. A little bit, lots of pressure there. Secondly, his wife um, gave premature birth to her, their second child two months premature. It wasn't supposed to be due uh, until uh, Christmas time. And so, you know, the, the baby's tiny in an incubator. You know, so he's dealing with all that family stress, and, and it's still due. What he did uh, was pretty impressive, even though, like, right when I t- tweeted how well I thought he was playing with everything going on, he ended up bogey two of the next four holes. So I'd, I'd probably take some blame for that. Uh, but, uh, 
you know, solid by him. And it was just a, a two-man race, basically, uh, as the week went on. Woodland had a nice round three to, uh, to move up the board. There were some other guys uh, that played good golf. Wyndham Clark was up there. He was one of my uh, picks last week. He was actually one of my betting second picks last week at like 250 to one. And that would have been sweet, but he sort of stalled out on Sunday after heading into uh, the final round in the top five. So, I mean, it was a good event. Uh, what do you think of the event there, Tambo? You, you buried the lead. You forgot to talk about your boy. What about Cam Smith finishing a T3? Oh, oh yeah. We're going to talk about that. Oh, okay. You're saving it. No, I, I thought it was great. Otherwise, I mean, I, you saw the one, I mean, you, you, you talked about Danny Lee's story and that just hits everybody, right? Anybody, especially with kids, you know, I have a little one, people at home, you feel that way. You see that stuff, and it was just when he missed that putt on like 17 or whatever it was, or maybe it was 18 when it lipped out, and you saw JT just be like, oh, fuck. Like he was like, that was going to be, you know, a serious thing for, against him and put the pressure on. So he was, you know, probably feeling it himself, but he wants to get the W and to see that miss. He was like, holy shit, that was close. So Danny Lee played well. You talk about some of those. Hideki showed up. You know, that was kind of cool. You never really see that, especially five figure Decky, but I still didn't see him on very many of those high end rosters. So I'll keep talking shit. But yeah, your boy Cam really showed up, you know. I'm excited to move along to this week. A lot of these same names are in the field. Get to see it play out again and, and see what we think of them as they compare against last week to this week. Because, you know, the six holes I did watch last night, the, the quote came out from Rory about, you know, complete opposite of last week at the CJ Cup is this course. So it's interesting to see what some of the takes are around the industry and between yourself and I on what that's going to look like for this week. Yeah. So personally for me in a DFS standpoint, I mean, it was a roller coaster week. Basically I was losing money all week. It came down. Uh, I was like, Anywhere I was in, in double ups, I was, you know, in last place after the first round, but it slowly started moving upwards. And, you know, second, third and fourth rounds, I was like right at the bubble um, the whole time, uh, you know, uh, for cashing and double ups. And then so, you know, I had there's one hole left. I had Cam Smith in my cash lineup and um, he was one of my cash game cornerstones. So he went ahead, birdied 16, birdied 17. So I was like, huh, maybe I got a little bit of a hope, but it still wasn't very much hope because I was anywhere from like, I'd say six to 12 points out of cashing in all the double outs. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of points for one hole. I really didn't think it was going to happen, but what I needed was an eagle, right, on, on 18. So at that point in time, I put, I put in a little bit more money than I have for the fall. Usually I would play half my normal bankroll. I played close to my normal bankroll. Uh, since it wasn't my home country event and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I played about $400. Uh, at, at that point in time, I was losing 300 bucks. And then Cam hit that, hit that approach shot on the 18 within three feet for Eagle, made his Eagle putt, and that was a 20-point swing in one putt. A 20-point DraftKings DFS swing in one hole. Uh, he, he got four more points. For, he got eight points for the, for the Eagle. He got four points for moving up from fifth to third. Uh, he got three points from um, going from, you know, three straight birdies. And then he got five points for getting the all under uh, 70. So, I mean, it was, I've never seen a, a swing that big. Like, I, and so I ended up cashing by like six, six, six points or plus in almost all the double ups. Uh, and I cashed in all double ups, but it was like six points around there. And I was more hype about that than probably – any bet that I made uh, that I've won in the last, you know, in the last like two months, which I've been quite a few. And because, and I only won 50 bucks for the week. <laughs> you know, I only, I ended up, that was a $350 swing on that one putt. I mean, that's why DFS is great. You know, it's a fun sport or it's a fun game to play. It keeps you interested in it. And I was, you know, nail biting again, hot boxing Newports, 
chugging Crown Royal, watching uh, Cam try and make it, try and make this at like three o'clock in the morning on on, uh, on Sunday morning. So that that worked out really well for me. So I ended up going there. I had like a top twenty GPP uh, in the short game, which wasn't that bad. Uh, but everything else sucked, which is why it was good that I actually won money in drafting because all my bets lost. Not only did all my bets lose, I decided to put like my one of my biggest bets ever on a head-to-head matchup between RCB and uh, Spieth. And I picked RCB. Spieth hadn't played in like over two months. Uh, and, of course, Spieth did his Spieth thing, putting insane while finishing dead fucking last in driving accuracy and bottom 10 in, in greens and regulation. Uh, you know, typical Spieth, you know, week for him. Uh, but the putter I didn't think was going to be that good after that much of a break. And it was. He was the best putter in the field. Uh, once again, and I lost that. So uh, I was really glad that I wasn't I, that Cam made that putt because it was it was it, it went from a huge loss week, just a little bit of a loss week, and a winning week in DFS. So how did you do? Well, a few, few things. One, you know, one speed dig first. I think they hit almost eighty percent of fairways, and this guy hit like fifty five percent. That's just yeah. Dead last. Insanity. Dead last. It, it's insanity. But it, it is what it is. He's going to keep doing his thing. We know he's one of the best putters, if not the best putter in the world. He just keeps showing it. So good for him. Not not going to be paying that this week. We'll talk about that. But yeah, as far as that goes, I mean, if, if someone can have a horseshoe up their ass, you got a horseshoe right up to your sternum, brother. Because that yeah. Cam Smith, I, I, I faded him. He cost me profit on the week. I was sitting like you were, but on, you know, mid four figures trying to get my money back. And I was just over. And then Cam Smith, 20 point, you know, end. And I, he was one of my biggest fades of the week and he already had a pretty good week but that certainly didn't help like you said that 20 point swing at the end but ninth in the hundred dollar at 34th in the big 44 dollar I had some sweats but he definitely didn't help and, and yeah if it's time to go all in in your home country event remind me when we get to the Canadian Open because if you're if that's how you run at your home course or your home country event I'm gonna have to get it all in this year Kenny yeah I mean uh you know I don't know if you guys know Nelson Adcock uh he uh he does the the cut sweat site um you know, at Qu- Cut Sweats, he he runs that side. I think he lost $23,000 on that camp putt. Brutal. So, <laughs> I, saw, I, I was following yeah. for him because he, he's crushing, right? He's always there. Yeah. And so yeah. to see that at the end, and he was he was Twitter tilting. Yeah, uh-huh. You know, if, if you can watch it, it's so funny to follow along. But, it, you know, great guy, does a lot of great things, and he's great at DFS golf. So, you know, that just showed up, and, and I was following along for that. I felt bad for the guy, but he was sweating a Streelman eagle, or or was it a birdie? Because the, the broadcast had said eagle, but all the cards on the PGA and whatnot had said birdie, and sort of sucked for that but then when that happened on you know with the cam smith thing anyway you could tell he was just you know put up the hashtag fuck gif with whoever on it but you know the tiger woods one sitting at the tennis thing because it was brutal finish for him but great great he'll get there next time so yeah i mean my cascade cornerstones so i didn't really do cascade cornerstones in in no cut events last season i I decided i'm going to do it uh this year i mean it's not cash isn't the best way to go uh in these no cut events because there's so much things that can happen um, you know, the, 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 you know, it's just, it's just really crazy when it comes to cash, it, the swings are so dramatic um, in no cut events. Uh, but, you know, I decided to do it and it wasn't the best week. I mean, Cam was 118.5 points, which is solid. He was my, one of my cash game cornerstones. And then all the other three guys, if you look at the lineup I had in cash, it was really weird because I had Cam who was a cash game cornerstone. He did well. I had Hatton who finished, I think fifth or sixth, but he had the least amount of points for anybody that finished in the top 12. Uh, you know, drafting points. I mean, he, had, he only had like 15 birdies, uh, but he had only had two bogeys. Uh, so he played, you know, really steady golf, but it wasn't great for DK scoring. Uh, then I had Perez, who finished 31st. Um, he was a cash game cornerstone pick for me, but, the, but that 31st place is sort of skewed because he was top 12th in birdies. 
Uh, so that was actually ended up being a pretty good cash game cornerstone pick. And then I had Leishman and Sergio in my cash, and they really didn't do that well. Uh, and then I had Adam Long as my final guy, and he didn't do that well. But yet somehow I still won. I know that's what cash is. Uh, and when it comes to these no cut events, you just have no clue. Without the cut, it makes everything a little bit more difficult, a little bit more unpredictable. Uh, but you know, I'm going to do it again uh, for these for these next. A couple of events, we'll see if it goes well. I don't know how it's going to go, but last week worked out, I guess, uh, since, uh, since, since you know, I won in cash and I used all four of my cash. Yeah, and I think, I think one thing too, Kenny, is it's the best sweat equity you can get. It's a, it's a no-cut event. So you're sweating, is there going to be an injury? Is there going to be a withdrawal? Is, and you get to sweat things like the Cam Smith 20-pointer on the final hole. So anyone who had basically your cash lineup got a great week out of your cash game cornerstones because they got that sweat at the end. And probably a lot of them were bubbling until that point. So that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, 20 points for one hole is crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is insane. It never happens. Uh, but it happened to me. It worked out. Uh, I, I, I've been lucky, I guess, here uh, recently. So uh, that helped out. A couple of other stories uh, this week. Matt Every got popped for weed. Uh, you know, he's banned for three months. He can't come back until I think the Tour Championship, or well, he won't play in the Tour Championship, but the Sony, um, you know, uh, a lot of people are sort of upset about that. You know, I, I can understand it. In this day and age, especially since the marijuana was prescribed by his doctor. Uh, it wasn't just even recreational. Um, you know, and then so a lot of people were upset about that and upset about the fact that, you know, now it, all these drug tests are made public. Uh, they changed that rule, I guess, like a year or two ago, um, to try to make it more for the Olympics. You know, they, they try to do Olympic type testing and they got to make everything public. So that's why, you know, all the DJ suspensions from the past still remain private. And actually, from what I read, they actually, uh, after, once they changed the rule, your, your slate was wiped clean. So, you know, if you had drug violations in the past before the rule change, they were wiped off the slate. Now, one thing I did read uh, on the Golf Digest article that was written about a couple, couple like a year ago, uh, it was written by an anonymous tour player saying he was basically a pothead. Uh, and, and, and he says a lot of people would smoke, uh, you know, smoke weed on tour, uh, but a lot of people don't get caught. And I think the big rule change that happened was it, it, the, the amount of marijuana THC in your body for a positive test for golfers raised by 10 times. So a thousand percent raise. So the guy in the article, the anonymous tour player said that he talked to a doctor and that, you know, that raised that, 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 amount of THC in your system that you're allowed to have. I think it's like uh, 150 nanograms or something like that. Uh, that you're allowed to have in your body when you get tested, you can smoke a dozen times a month and still be under, under the, under the, 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 the limit. Now, you know, everyone's body's different. Uh, you know, one story, like I, I got, I got uh, popped for weed in my mid twenties. And uh, when I went, you know, I had to stop smoking. I got drug tested, all that stuff uh, on, put on probation. And when that happened to me, uh, you know, the, I, you know, I smoked all the time. It took two months to get all the weed out of my system. Like my first test, I tested positive. And I was like, what the, I haven't smoked in like 40 days. They're like, well, you're pretty fat. I mean, they didn't say that, but, but, you know, fat sort of stores the THC, fat cells store more THC. So if you have more fat cells, it's going to store more of it. Uh, and so supposedly, I guess, Matt, every, I mean, it's, it, it's medicinal. He just got unlucky. Uh, about his thing about the pot, but it's not like he's just smoking like once or twice. He had to have been smoking probably daily. Uh, and he just got, and he just got, um, you know, unlucky with the test uh, when it comes down to that. So uh, that's sort of a big story. And I know people are talking about that. What's your take on, on marijuana and we and golf now? 
I don't really care, to be honest. I care about making money. And, and to me, I'm a, I'm a Kucher guy. You know that, right? So a deal's a deal. El Tucan, a rule's a rule. Sergio, and this is the situation. Like you said, he got caught. There's people that rob banks successfully. There's people that rob banks and, get, and go to jail. It, it's, you, you, you knew you couldn't do it. You did it. It honestly probably saves me money because now I can't roster Matt Every anymore. So that's good. And we move on. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's like you said, he got caught for something you're not allowed to do. It, it, there's little stories and sob stories in there that I, I get. I, it's not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent, where a guy's not allowed to do it, and he probably needs it. I think you posted about it, or somebody posted that made a good point that, that you know it sucks for him because he actually requires it. So what's he going to do? Have to risk it again and see if he gets caught? Tough to say, but, but like I said, it really doesn't affect a lot of my decision-making. It's just something to talk about, and I, I feel like it's just another story that's going around. Is what I mean- it is. It can change his career. I mean, if you think about it, you know, if he's using the marijuana for specific types of medical purposes, uh, you know that he's going to get tested again more often now since he got caught. And so that probably means that he can't smoke marijuana anymore. He can't take opioids if it's for pain and stuff. His body, he said that his body can't take the opioids. And first off, opioids are horrible. You know, I, I mean, if you can use them the right way, yeah, whatever, they're helpful. But you know, addiction for opioids is a lot bigger of a problem than marijuana, uh, you know. So, I mean, right. the, the PGA definitely needs to take care of that issue. All sports need to take care of the issue because it's not a performing-enhancing drug. The only sport where marijuana would be a performing-enhancing drug would be like eating contests. Like yeah. if, Kobe, if Kobayashi tested positive for pot, <laughs> it, you know, I'd be like, fuck, Kim, get him the fuck out of there. That's yeah. performance-enhancing drugs, you know. <laughs> but but that would be it, you know. So, uh so it sucks for man everybody that he, he has to deal with, he, with what he has to do. The, the, the story on Golf Digest is actually pretty uh, funny because the guy said that uh, he, he, if he was like in last place or something, uh, he'd get high before the round, going into the final round. And he said he'd smoke with his playing partners. So they'd all go out, blaze, you know, in last place, and just, just, just playing the, uh, playing the, uh, the, 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 the course. And nowadays, with, with edibles being so popular, I wouldn't be shocked if a whole bunch of people do that. You, know, you see him popping a gummy or something uh, like in the middle of the round. I mean, that'd be funny. All right, so that's enough of that. Let's move on to our Listener League winner from last week, Johnny Pancake. Uh, I have actually seen him up there a couple of times. He actually has a sad pancake frog emoji. Uh, as his, You know that, that sad frog emoji? Yeah. He actually put that in with a pancake on it. So that's, that, that's, that, that's his avatar. So Johnny Pancake won with 587.5 points. He started off with the winner, Justin Thomas, 132.5 points, 24% owned in the listener league. He had Cam, 118.5 points. Uh, uh, 10.6% owned in the listener league. Uh, Andrew Putnam, who you know I was a fan of last week, 12.67% owned, 82.5 points. Uh, Chucky Three Sticks, 9.3% owned uh, with 80 points. Sun Kang, who was a low, another low price guy that I did like, 82.5%, uh, uh, 82.5 points, 4.67% owned. And Johnny Vegas, who had some back issues uh, going in. To it. And so I didn't really hear about that until it was almost too late, but I decided to keep him in. Uh, and he went ahead and shot. He wasn't doing that well. And then he was, this is the, the, the no cut event thing. Nine under uh, on the final round, shot a 63 to really move him up the leaderboard and get him a ton of points. Uh, you know, he finished in 16th place, 91.5 points, 6.67% owned in the list. You know, what do you think about the lineup there, Tampa? I think they got to test Johnny Vegas. What do you say, right? Last round before he goes, blazes up and comes out, back's feeling good and shoots a 63. Is that what happened? 
I mean, that, yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. <laughs> sounds you know? about right, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it goes with the theme. But no, overall, good stuff. Johnny Pancake's a great guy. Reached out to us on Twitter. He was sweating it and then got there. So it was nice to see that. 587.5 blew everybody out. I think the, like you said, the back issues and sticking with Vegas. Kang, who we'll talk about, somehow went down in price this week after a pretty decent week and, and decent outing. Pair of 68s over the weekend. <clears throat> that was nice. Uh, and then Charles Howell, you know, another guy under 10% that just did it for him. So I think it was a good lineup all in all spaced out the ownership quite a bit and then obviously had the winner in jt that's what you need to do to close it out so we'll see you in the three man this week johnny pancake in another non-cut event yeah, another non-cut event all right so before we get into the course and all that good stuff let's talk about gups corner big news this week gups corner is adding nba uh to their repertoire uh for and the thing is you can use promo code dgen25 it's a big one this week you get 25 percent off a, a, a month-long subscription or a year-long subscription. And I'd go the year-long with this DGEN25 code, a really great code. You're going to save 25%. So you're going to get golf for a year if you do the uh, year-long subscription. You're going to get NBA for the whole season. You're going to get football for the rest of the year and seven weeks in the next year. Uh, You're going to get baseball. All this is included, you know, for one price. You're going to get all the DFS articles and all the projections and all the rankings that Gup and all the guys do on that site. It's great. And you're going to get that for on the cheap, you know, 20 use promo code DGEN25. Also the Slack chat is amazing. Uh, you know, I'm on there uh, pretty often. There's a lot of guys on there. It's great to be able to talk to people uh, about, you know, different sports, you know, they, they, for fantasy wise, you know, it, it gives you a forum to go out and ask questions and talk to people with like minds. So it's really great. Use promo code DGEN25, get yourself 25% off a, prescri- a prescription, a I'm thinking about weed again. Talking weed. A, <laughs> yeah, a subscription to, uh, to, to gubscorner.com. All right, so let's get to this week. So the second leg of the Asian swing starts this, it continues this week as the best golfers in the world head to Japan for the Zozo Championship from Accordia Golf Narashino Country Club. Like last week, this is a 78-man field, no-cut event. Uh, this is the first time this course has ever hosted a PGA Tour event, so the course will be new to the majority of the field. There has been some chatter that the course resembles Copperhead, Firestone, Harbor Town, and East Lake. Now. Weather looks like it could be a factor uh, as rain in the forecast is in the forecast almost all week, which will make the course play longer and windy conditions are possible on the first three rounds. Now, one interesting fact pointed out by Martin at Sundog Monkey on Twitter. It's always a great follow. We talk about him often. Give him a follow on Twitter uh, is the fact that 15 of the 23 golfers that finished top 10 at the CJ Cup in 2018 and 2017 played the CIMB Classic, which was the first event of the age in the swing the week before their top 10. Now, this year, there is no CIMB Classic. So this, is, this event is now the second leg of the Asian swing. Uh, looking closely at golfers who played last week in Korea could give you an edge. But, of course, the sample size is definitely uh, small. So, you know, it could just be pure luck. But, I mean, 15 out of 23 golfers that played the week before the CJ Cup last year finished top 10. Uh, that, that's a pretty big number. All right, so let's get to the course. Uh, Narashino Golf Club is a 7,041-yard par 70 with five par threes and three par fives. Definitely not your typical par 70 course. The five par threes are relatively short for tour standards as none of them are over 191 yards. There will be plenty of birdies on these par threes as they are not too difficult. And, of course, that's going to be weather-dependent. If the wind's going crazy, well, then every, every hole is going to be difficult. 
Now, two of the par fives should be reachable by most, and the 600-plus yard par, of par five 14th hole will be only be reachable by the longer hitters. The par four distances are, are very unique. Five of the par fours are under 425 yards. I think uh, three of them are under 400 yards. And the other five are over 480 yards. There are no holes with yardages in between 425 and 480. Um, golfers should be able to take advantage of the short par fours, and par will be a good score on the longer par fours. Now, the one thing I did notice about the long par fours is that only one has water in play, and that's going to be the, the long 500-yard uh, par four uh, fourth hole. And now, though they might be lengthy, there isn't as much trouble off the tee on these long par fives compared to many of the other holes. Now, off the tee, golfers will see tight tree-lined fairways that tend to get more narrow uh, after the 280-yard range with fairway bunkers and water on a few holes. The rough isn't too long, but with zoysia graph, grass being the, the, the grass in the rough, the lies can be unpredictable. Uh, a bit of luck uh, will be needed on missed fairways because the ball can either sit up nicely uh, and fluffy on that zoysia grass or it can stick to the bottom, leaving a possible flyer lie. Now, even though the fairways are tight, a slight miss won't be too troublesome since the tree line is actually about 10 yards away from the edge of the fairway on both sides. Uh, there is some room for error off the tee. Now, on approach shots, golfers will see two greens on every hole. This is, a, this is standard for Japanese courses as it spreads out the foot traffic on the greens and help, helps make the green upkeep easier for the course superintendents. Only one green will be used all week per hole, except in the long par, uh, par four fourth hole, which will switch greens each round. The size of the greens depends on which green complex is used on a per hole basis. On most holes, one green is larger than the other. So if they use a larger greens uh, for the tournament, they will be average in size for tour standards. If they use a smaller greens, they will be below average in size for tour standards. Now, as complicated as this is, one thing I do know for sure is the fact that these bent grass greens will be the main defense of the course. Golfers will have to deal with massive undulation and slope when putting. And since the greens have a bit of speed, they're going to be 11 on the stint meter. Putting's not going to be easy. Uh, during the skins match last night, I actually saw Tiger hit a 20 uh, downhill 20-foot putt in which he played almost 15 feet of break. Now, if golfers miss the greens on their approach, they will have to deal with numerous bunkers and runoff areas that are normally in the front side of the greens. Tambo, what are you looking for in golfers this week, my friend? You just said it with the putting. I'm certainly going to look at good putters, but I'm still not playing speeds. We'll get there. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, the, the two greens might help them too, right? Better greens than regulation. We just might be on the wrong one. But yeah. I, think they said, <laughs> I think they said you get a free drop if you put on the wrong green or whatever. You do. You do. We'll, we'll see they, how it goes. They don't want people tearing up those greens, hitting, <laughs> hitting flop shots off. You see that Roy flop shot on 18, though? Oh, you said you didn't watch it. No. Roy's, Roy's flop shot on 18 was sick, dude. It went, like, at least three stories high on, like, a 15-yard flop shot. It was sick. It was sick. I, I would love to hit one shot like that in my life. But go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the, the Phil Mickelson special, for sure. The yeah, it was. It's exactly what it was. It goes right yeah. up, yeah. Um, yeah, so a couple things you mentioned, but I did watch six holes of it last night or whatever it was up to the water hole when they all went in. I just said, I'm done. But I'll tell you what, the stats I'm looking at are pretty close to everything you just mentioned as far as ball striking approach. You know, the bogey avoidance factor, I think, is bigger here because of that. I, I don't know if it's going to be a scoring fest. Got to look a little bit at the weather as it goes along. Sounds like it's going to start a little bit soft, and then we'll see how that goes over the weekend. 
but uh, you know, long irons and then scoring in general, just because it's a no cut, I'm always going to have that in there. Uh, the last piece I think is, you know, a little bit underrated sometimes with scrambling and just around the green or in general, that sort of thing, just because if they aren't hitting these greens, like I saw in those first six holes last night, you still got to have a good game to be able to get it up there because those putts didn't look easy at all. No, they didn't. the putting is going to be the toughest part of this, of this course by far. I mean, if you look at the green complexes, I mean, they're slopey, they're undulating, bent grass sort of gives like an Augusta feel. Uh, you know, maybe not as fast, Spieth. Um, no, but it's, yeah, Spieth, Tiger, uh, Spieth, Tiger, you know, I mean, it sort of gives an Augusta feel with all the undulation and slope. The only thing is the greens just aren't as large as they are at Augusta National. All right, so let's get to these tiers. We, of course, we're going to start up in this 10K range. We got uh, Jordan Spieth, the man of the hour, all the way up to Justin Thomas. Who you got in this range there, brother? Not really loving a lot of it, except the obvious. So, you know, I'll just say this, you know, no pivot right away out of the top, but um, Thomas got to continue with them. But the thing there that, so there's only three guys I like, let me say this, Thomas, McElroy, Casey. The thing is this, I think Thomas stays popular just because he's only 300 bucks more than Rory. He just won. He's got something like eight straight top 12s in the world. Just tied all these records with, you know, all these guys, including Spieth. So, uh, you know, the wins under whatever, 26 or whatever it is, 11 wins or something. So, you know, I, I like JT still, and I'll go there, but I'm definitely still going to have some Rory, and I might even have a couple lineups with both of them just because it's it's huge, and I think they're both that good, and it feels like people will just be off Rory completely. Like, you know, I joked about it last night, but Rory looked essentially like he'd never showered in three days and sort of hopped out of his car and put, came to the course 10 minutes before and said, sure, let's play. I'm already getting paid seven figures just to show up, so why not? But it is what it is. It's an exhibition, like you said. So we'll roll with that. But I, I like those two there. Rory does pop on the long-term stats. I'm not really taking a bunch of this J- Justin Thomas recent form. I do like what you said about the obvious is anyone who's been over there is a little bit more acclimated, should be able to go and, and have a little bit more sense and feel. But I still like Rory, and, and he's right there. So between those two, it's tough. But I'll probably play both of them, even in some together. And then the other guy I talked about is Casey. You mentioned it. You know, Sundog mentioned it. A lot of people have talked about Valspar being a comp course here. He's the Valspar King stat God when it comes to all the categories that I just talked about and that I'm looking at for the week always depends on putters. So the interesting thing is, is if he's going to be like 20 to 25% when we get close to lock and that's why it's a good idea to jump over to Gup's corner and get in the Slack chat, get the ownership projections that Gup puts out because you'll see that if he's going to be super popular, I could go to some Shoffley, still not speed below, but I could go to some Shoffley and that'd be about it. But those three are the main ones that I'm on up top. What about you? Yeah, you know, we don't talk about our picks before, uh, you know, we get on the pod, and basically we're thinking the same exact thing. I'm playing Rory and JT. Uh, Those are the two guys I'm definitely going to play. I'm definitely going to make – I tried making some lineups with both of them in it, and it's doable. There's some guys down there in the lower 6K range, especially in a no-cut event. You know, they're going to get their four rounds in anyways. So it's a lot easier to make these these crazy upper-tier, you know, two 11K guy lineups than it would be in an event with a cut. You know, you know, the guys in the 6K range, they're so much more likely to miss the cut than anyone else. It's a lot harder to, to make lineups in those type of tournaments with two, you know, top-tier guys. But in a no-cut event, I'm in. Uh, I'm in. Uh, now, I, I think I want to play... Do you wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. 
when I hear something amazing? Oh, and feel free to tell your friends too. So Kohl's, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network grilling essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra $10 off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select styles. 10 off 25 offer valid May 27 through 31st. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. I'm with you. I can't decide between Casey and Xander. It's probably going to be ownership-based as well. Uh, you know, I'm going to play another one of those guys. Uh, the thing about Xander is he hasn't played in like eh, six, seven weeks. But you got to remember, this is a no-cut event. The last time he didn't play in six, seven weeks uh, before a no-cut event was a tournament of champions. And he shot like 61 on Sunday to win. You know, so he could start slow. Um, he could start slow. Uh, you know, but to sort of pick it up, it's, this is a no-cut event. You know, he could just blow up on the weekends and go ham, which, you know, he, Xander is the no-cut king now. The guy and, he's just, the, and he's the East Lake king. Right? The Not East really Lake. the king, but he's an East Lake winner. So, you know, yeah. that's a, definitely a comp here for sure. He, yeah, so, I mean, so the, uh, right now it's looking like it's going to be Xander, Rory, and, and JT. And I'm definitely going to play Rory and JT. Xander and Casey, I might not play at all. I might play one of them. We'll see how it goes when I'm building my lineups. All right, so let's move to this 9K range. So once again, uh, I'm going with the same strategy for my cash game cornerstones that I did last week, uh, and I'm going to roster three 9K guys in my cash game lineup once again, and I'm going to start with Gary Woodland, who finished third last week. Uh, You know, he's had, uh, let me take a peek here, 41 birdies or better uh, in his last eight rounds, which is great. You know, birdies king in in, in draft case scoring, and it's even more of a, a big deal in these no-cut events uh, because you're not going to get the, the added bonus of, of having other golfers or other people who make lineups who missed the cut. So, you know, birdies are even more important uh, in these no-cut events. So, you know, Gary Woodland, he makes plenty of birdies. If you look at his long range, he, the thing about Gary is we know that on courses where he you club down off the tee, he has success. And there's going to be plenty of those here. Those five par fours are all club down holes. They aren't driver holes. And we know he's long enough where the longer par fours, he can still succeed. So that combo is going to be really, really good uh, this week. And, I, and, and I'm going to segue that into my second cash game cornerstone pick, Tony Finau. Sort of the same thing as Gary Woodland. He does well on, on courses where you club down, but he's still long enough where, you know, the long par fours and the three par fives, he can get the driver out there and still do okay. And once again, like I said during the course preview, you know, even though the fairways are tight, the tree line is still not right by the edge of the fairway. You've got some room to play with. Now, if you miss wildly, you can have the, you know, we saw some shots yesterday where uh, Hideki or Tiger was trying to shoot the gap, like Legend of Bagger Vance style, you know, in between certain holes, uh, trees to get to the hole. And, you know, if you miss wildly, that's what, that's what, what you're going to have to deal with. But if you just miss by a few yards, I mean, it's not going to be too crazy. You might have to deal with some overhanging branches, uh, but that's about it. So I like Tony. Uh, also, another birdie king. I mean, if you look at Finau, 44 birdies are better in his last eight rounds played. The guy's a birdie king. So uh, he's going to be my second cash game cornerstone pick. And I, I glossed over my third cash game cornerstone pick. It's going to be Victor Hovland at $9,400. Again, uh, you know, 18 birdies or more in all three of his uh, fall swing events. You know, I think he had uh, more than that 
in his in his European tour event as well. Uh, the guy uh, is on the cusp. We all know he finally got that all rounds under 60. You know, that, that was broken last week, but he still played pretty decent. Uh, his approach game is solid. Again, he's good from 350 to 400 yards. I'm looking at that as one of my stats this week since there are, uh, you know, about three three to four holes in that range. I'm also looking at 450 to 500 yards, and Hovland's pretty good in that as well. He's 17th in the field uh, in the last 50 rounds in that Again, tons of birdies, great iron play. So those three are going to be my cash game cornerstones in this 9K range. GPP-wise, I think I might play Tiger. Uh, I know he hasn't played in a while, uh, but, you know, he had knee surgery in August. He's feeling as healthy as he possibly can, uh, you know, can be. I mean, last year after Augusta, he said that he was in pain every time he went out. You know, his knee was bothering him, and you could sort of tell the way he was playing, the way he was acting, and how he wasn't playing very well. Uh, now he's fully healthy. Uh, this is a course where, again, he's going to club down enough on those holes uh, that are short that, to give him an advantage. And then on the holes where he, he has to hit driver, you know, there's only about – there's a little bit of room there. Uh, and so uh, – and then putting on bent, slopey greens, that's sort of his shit as well. You know, so I think it can, it can work. I don't know how popular he's going to be. Um, but I'll, I'll take a, a flyer at him um, at $9,300. Who do you like in this range? Yeah, right off the top, my first uh, T3PO is going to be, I don't know, you didn't mention him, so maybe he won't be popular, but it feels like Fleetwood's always popular. And I'm going to go to Scott there. I really like Adam Scott at all events. I, you know, 9900 sort of the the best buy price, right? He's nine ninety nine ninety nine. He's not he's not 1000 It's the same type of thing. He's 9900 He's not 10000 Maybe that's a trap, but I like him. I always feel this is the thing. They both have very good stats. Uh, Scott actually rates out better than me. He's, he's got the second best stats to Rory on my last 50. So when I go long-term for all those things I was looking at, he rates out there. And you see, to me, it's more upside. Like I, I see Fleetwood as like a top 10 to 20 guy more often. And I see Scott as a top one to 10 or two to 10, I should say, because he doesn't really win, but you don't need that here. You need to score. I think he can still score. He's got some good recent form in the events he's played, but it's more so long-term with him because the stats just aren't going to be, or the recent forms is not going to be as big of a deal to me. It's all about what he can do long-term. And I like Scott, you mentioned the other good plays, man. It's so tough in this range, but I, I certainly am going to be heavy in here. You talked about Woodland, always love Woodland. What I don't love with Woodland is if he's going to be chalk, right? Because then easily you can play Hovland. I think that all, all four under 70 bonus is just so huge, especially uh, when you know points are king in a non-cut event and the fact that he only has the one round outside of all the others and, and the type of course that suits him the off the tee game the approach that you know great bogey avoidance as far as that's concerned he's, he really suits it quite well I think and, and he was great last week otherwise it wasn't like he was a had a terrible week he had that one round outside of it and that sort of shot him down for the week but still fair priced at 9400 Finau always love him think he's one of the best values bent grass is his prefer, per, preferred greens Scoring, you talked about his stats are solid, and, and then the price ninety two hundred, just completely fair. The GPP plays in here for me would be Woods, who you mentioned. He po- he pops quite huge uh, for the last fifty as well, as far as stats are concerned. I know he's going to be likely a GPP only play, but I don't mind fitting him in. I think you mentioned it on Twitter last night, you know, some some of the stuff about him, and then the fact that he's sandwiched right between Hovland and Finau, who you're high on with Woodland right there, uh, and then the other GPP player in this range would be Morikawa. If he's the forgotten man, I'm definitely going to play him because ball striking and approach are essentially his game. And at 9,100, it's completely fair. And in a non-cut, we know he can score. So I'm okay with Morikawa that'll round it out at 9,100. Yeah, I do think Woodland's going to be chalk. I think he might be one of the highest owned golfers. But a lot of the times when that happens, you know, I, I like to use those guys if they fit in cash. 
And, and because, you know, I put about 40 to 45% of my weekly bankroll in one cash lineup in double ups. Right. Okay. And so then I'll play less, like maybe 10% of him, it, it, only 10%, which would probably be half of what his ownership is compared to the field uh, in, in, in GPP. So even if he fucks up, you know, uh, you still got a chance at GPPs, even though maybe, maybe your, your cash line of the screw, but you got six other guys, five other guys, and it's going to be a four round event for everyone. So uh, yeah, I, I, that's one way to go around the chalkiness of, of Woodland is just by playing him in cash majority and then, uh, you know, being light on him in GPPs. So that's the way I'm going to go about Woodland this week because I do think he will be the chalkiest golfer in the field. So Hovland would make a good pivot from him. Uh, Finau, would, uh, Tiger would make a good pivot uh, from him as well. So let's move down to this 8K range. Who do you like, Tambo? Hey, you just made me think of something though, with another pivot there. It might be Reed as well. You talk about that Augusta feel, and you know, he's just been very consistent over the last, you know, three to six months type deal. So with him there, I don't I don't hate Reed as well, maybe as a, a GPP flyer. If like I said, that woodland chalk sounds like it's gonna be there. The other way to differentiate it to Kenny's point, and I'll talk more about it later. There's a couple ways. One is you can play them together, like Kenny's doing with a bunch of guys in that range. Not as many people will probably start with Woodland, but like you mentioned in your cash games, you can. Uh, the other thing is if you know that a lot of people are going to start lineups with Woodland and that's what it sort of looks like as the week goes on, then you can get your JT Woodland on and do it that way and try and differentiate a little bit in that sense. One thing that I did, you did mention a good point about uh, Reed. Uh, another good point about Reed is, you know, he's trying to make that president's cup team. He's off of it. Uh, the motivation factor is there. And then Tiger, here's the thing. A lot of people don't think Tiger's going to pick himself for the president's cup, but I think he wants to. Uh, but he knows that the only way that he can pick himself for the uh, President's Cup is if he plays well uh, in this event, because I don't know if he's going to play any other event before the President's Cup starts. So he has to show up this week to be able to pick himself and ha- not have people be like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, you know, so uh, th- that's big motivation for Tiger. And, you know, being around for as long as he is and winning as much as he has, you know, the motivation factors have sort of dwindled uh, for him, you know, lately. You can tell just by the way he acts and the way he, he plays the game. It's not like it was back in his prime, but this is a, probably going to be a really big deal for Tiger. He wants to play on that President's Cup team. I, don't listen to the people who say that he won't pick himself because if he has a chance, Tiger will pick himself. I can guarantee you that. And the only way he's going to do that is if he plays well this week. So huge motivation, a little bit of pressure on Tiger. And I think Tiger usually performs well with that pressure. So I do like Tiger. And I read, you make a good point, reads the same way with his President's Cup. He needs to make that team. He has to show up in these next few fall events. All right. So the 8K range. Go ahead, Tambo. Yeah, a couple guys here. So, you know, it's another range that I kind of like. You know, the M and N are sort of, you know, similar price points, similar stats as far as ball striking, scrambling. You know, if M, if people want to back off him, I'll definitely go back to him because bogey avoidance scrambles well. Obviously, we know he can score. And sort of the same thing. So another, another solid showing, you know, it's T6 last week. Uh, he's always got upside and he does feel a little bit underpriced at 8,700. His stats really fall in line when it comes to approach, bogey avoidance, long irons and scrambling, all things that I like here. Definitely think he could show up at this course. Um, Oosthuizen, you know, no cut is pretty much exactly where I want to play Louie. Guy hits fairways, good long iron, scoring stats, great scrambling around the green. So uh, definitely don't have a problem with him. And his last, you know, hasn't played in a little while, but his, his last, you know, five events out, it's been incredible, all T20 or better. So he, he's a guy that might be a guy that nobody wants to play. At always 8, low owned too. Always low owned. That's what owned. I'm saying. He's always low owned. At 8,400, sort of that 
interesting price point where people are just unsure. And then there is all these other guys around them. And then the two popular plays, uh, you know, one is going to be Neiman and one is going to be Hadwin. But I don't know. I feel like everyone's on Hadwin. So from what I've seen so far, and I made this my second T3PO, is that I'm, it's not that I don't think Neiman's going to be popular. It's just I think I'm going to take a stand and play a lot more Neiman than Hadwin. Because Hadwin's going to pop and has the recent form, right? The fourth and the second, the last two times out. We know he can pot. But Neiman's actually better on bent greens. Um, you know, the, this is probably the one where it's the opposite of what I said above or kind of like matching with the, the Woodland talk. You could put both of them together in a lineup and try and differentiate that way and, and hope that people do pick and pivot one or the other. But again, going back to my long-term stats, Neiman outdoes him on approach. He does him on, outdoes him on fairways, DK scoring, birdies are better, all that stuff that's going to be important in a non-cut event, even where Neiman could come T20 and Hadwin could come T15 and Neiman could outscore him by eight to 10 points. So I still like Neiman there as my second T3O and that rounds out the AK range for me, Kenny. Yeah. So I, I because I'm going to play a bunch of these 9K guys and Rory and JT, uh, I'm not going to play too many guys in this uh, range just because I can't fit them in. Uh, and I'm not the biggest fan of, of a lot of these guys, especially in the top range. Uh, I do like Usti. Again, everything you said made sense. And he's also been uh, first in par four efficiency from 350 to 400 yards. There's a bunch of short par fours here. Uh, he could do well on that. And he's, he's always low owned. So I like Usti. And I like Neiman and Hadwin too. Uh, I, I don't think I have to go over uh, too much of that. I mean, Hadwin's just, the form is there. And, you know, going against form like that, I mean, you see a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys who won, they've sort of been, the form has been there. And it doesn't really come from nowhere. And, and you know, Hadwin's form is there. Uh, I, even if he's chalky, I still think he can have a good week. Um, so I'm, I'm going to play both those guys as well. All right, so let's move to this 7K range. And I'll go ahead and go with my final cash game cornerstone pick. It's going to be on the bottom part of this range. It's going to be Corey Connors at $7,200. You know, really good iron play. Uh, really good with his wedges. And there's going to be a lot of wedges here uh, this week. If you look at his birdies, he's had uh, 40 birdies or better uh, in his last eight rounds. So the birdies have been there. He's been playing decent golf. Uh, you know, so I do like Corey Connors. One thing I do worry about is his putter, uh, but, you know, hopefully his iron game and his approaches are so good that, you know, a, a poor putting won't hurt him that bad since he'll be so close to the hole. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, so my four cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be Gary Woodland at 9,500, Victor Hovland at 9,400, Tony Finau at 9,200, and Corey Connors at 7,200. This leaves $14,700. There's still going to be plenty of, uh, plenty of, uh, you can still not even, you can still avoid the 7K range, uh, the 6K range uh, if you want. I'm, I'm probably going to have one 6K guy. I'll talk about him later uh, in my cash lineup. Uh, but that, you know, that's the way I'm going to go. So those are the four cash game cornerstones this week. So hopefully they do well. Uh, for GPPs this week, uh, I like Kevin Na. You know, uh, the putting is going to be there. Really good short game. Uh, did well last week. Uh, you know, pretty good, really good wedge game. Like he's in the top 10 in both proximity from 125 to 150 and 100 to 125 yards in this field in the last 50 rounds. He's good at the short par fours as well. So uh, really good par three score too. And there's five of those uh, here. Oh, and that's one thing I did miss about Tiger uh, going back to Tiger. He led uh, the, the, the tour in par three birdie or better percentage last year. So another Tiger tick right there going back. Uh, to Tiger, so another reason why I like him. I like Ryan Moore a lot. I think he's cash viable. Uh, good last week. Iron game strong. Wedge game strong. Uh, he's been, you know, do, making uh, 43 birdies or better in his last eight rounds, so he's been making the birdies. He's been playing good golf, 
So I do like Ryan Moore. Um, other guys in this range, Andrew Putnam, has just been really consistent. Uh, the guys, I don't, I think he's top twenty-five in in like eighty or ninety percent of his last uh, eight or nine events. The guy's just been super consistent, really good putter. Uh, you know, good par three score, top fifteen in DK points and birdies a better game in the last fifty rounds. And of course, I'm getting all this information from Fantasy National, so you can get yourself a membership there. It's sick. It's the only site I use uh, other than Cups Corner, and so you know, get on that. And then uh, I'll throw a, a little bit of a. Uh, uh, throw a little bit on Shugo Imihara, second in the Japan uh, order uh, order of merit. Uh, probably the most talented Japanese golfer not named Hideki Matsuyama in the world. Uh, he'll be low owned, uh, and, and, and I, you know, in front of this home crowd, and less pressure on him than, than Hideki. Uh, you, you know, he can just go out there. People aren't really going to expect him to compete with this field, but the guy's really good. Well, the guy's a good golfer, and so I, I think you know you can get him at sub five percent owned. Sub of 8% own could make for a good GPP play. Who do you like in the 7K range? A lot of guys. I'm, I'm like you this week. I'm sitting above the 6K range. So, you know, you mentioned a couple, but the more play is the one that I like a lot just because he's, he's like a Louis. He's never super popular, but as far as stats go, you know, fairways, long irons, DK scoring, birdies are better. Pretty much list goes on. And he's got upside at just 7,800. Not even the fact that he has the recent form of 8th and 13th because it's only two events. I'm just talking in general. Uh, another guy right below him, I think, is a sneaky GPP play, but he's the Vegas odds favorite from 7,900 and below down to 7K. And that's Billy Horschel, which is definitely always going to be a lower-owned guy in a field like this. You never see him get ownership. Uh, really pops with, you know, as far as fairways. We know he can putt. He's good on bent. And then another course that we didn't really mention that's been linked here is uh, PJ National, the Honda, right? Which I'll be at this year, by the way, which is going to be an awesome event. But um, you know, that's, that's an event that gets linked to this too, with the water and the shorter and all that sort of stuff. And he's got a great Honda record. So I think he could pop the other guys that I'm going to go back to the well on one of them, you know, has me a little bit nervous in Putnam. We know the guy can putt lights out, you know, no pun intended, but you know, not sure if that can continue is my only worry. I know he's a great putter, but, and he has upside always at this price, but there's other guys around him. There's Reavy, there's Poulter, there's Grillo, you know, a couple things, Grillo, we talk about ball striking approach, bent is only real good surface. So anytime he can pop, I might be done with that thing too. Just keep going back to him. He just never performs. So yeah, I, I, I've been off Grillo forever. Yeah. Him and Putnam are the ones that are, are really scare me the most because of that. It's more Poulter and Reavy. Poulter was good again last week. T16. One of the bigger names down here. Like you said, one in that group of people that are already there, uh, DK scoring birdies are better. Long iron scrambling, everything like that. All solid. Uh, you know, I want something like that on my team at 7,500. He's got upside. He went down in price after a T16 in a, a similar field. I know it definitely got better. I shouldn't say similar field. It definitely got better, but his, na- his name didn't get any worse and his stats didn't get any worse. So I do like Poulter. And then Revy, one of the better values in my eyes just for long-term because if you look at his long-term stats, they all pop. And we've seen him. You know, he's got he's one on tour. He's been in top five of majors. He, he's a guy that just seems underpriced at 7,400. And I'm glad you brought up Shugo. I, I got my third T3PO coming up in a second. Uh, and then the play of the week, basically, I think, for everybody. But Connors does scare me. I, I think everybody's on Connors. Super popular pick that can definitely fail. The, the worst part about Connors is his putter. Again, totally opposite of last week, Roy said. The putting looks way more difficult from the short little bit that I saw. I'll have some, but, man, he's not really a good putter at all. Like He can lose tons of strokes putting, even with that approach and ball striking game. The difference is, if he's on for the week, then you're in trouble if you don't have him because he will score at will. So the funny thing about Shugo, like the guy's everything, right? He can putt. I know it's Japanese tour and different things, but T12, first, seventh, second, sixth, you're not getting that, you know, you're not getting all those top finishes if you can't putt at least somewhat. So I'm not too worried about him as far as stats are concerned. I'd play him some 
in GBPs. And the interesting thing is he has the same Vegas odds as Corey Connors. So take that with what you will, but I think that's a, a good low on GPP play that you don't have to go crazy with. You can have four or 5% in a hundred lineups and, you know, have enough of them or even go crazier and get 10 lineups in there. If you want to be a little bit ballsy for the week, I don't mind it. Cause you've seen it plenty of times, the birdies that he starts dropping in the events he's been in, he can make a big difference in a non-cut. But my third and final teacher BO is going to be uh, Sabs and playing him over Glover. I don't know. Again, Glover always seems to pop for whatever reason in models and different stuff, but Sabatini, you know, People always want to drop off him. He's another guy that doesn't get a lot of ownership. But as far as the the price, 7,100, uh, you know, the stats, everything goes across the board. And then the interesting part was all the comp courses we mentioned, mentioned. So Heritage, Valspar, Honda, all good fits, all courses he's done well at in the past. So I definitely like Sabatini over Glover there to finish it out. Uh, and then last one of the week, and I don't know if you, you know, are as high on him, but Jason Kokrak looks like to be the chalk of the week at 7,000. What's your take on him? Because real quick, Stats for him at those same comp courses, much like I just mentioned with Sabatini, just this past year, 16th at the Heritage, 2nd at the Valspar, and ninth at the Honda, on top of popping in every stat across the board. So is he cash viable, or what's the play on him? Uh, I don't know. I don't like using uh, him in cash that much. I do like one guy underneath him uh, a lot better for cash, Ryan Palmer. Uh, the thing about Palmer is, you know, 45 birdies in his last eight rounds. Uh, the guy's been playing pretty good golf. <coughs> Iron play always strong good wedge game uh he's top 16 in both proximity from 125 to 150 and 100 to 125 in the last 50 rounds he's top 15 in par four efficiency from 350 to 400 yards top 20 in birdies a better game uh that sounds really good to me um for 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 cash and so I, i'd rather have palmer than kokrak in cash now one good point that you did make uh was billy horschel at 7,700, they sort of glossed over him. But looking at it again, he makes a lot of sense for GPPs. I mean, if you look at his par-4 efficiency stats, the two par-4 efficiency numbers I'm looking at are 350 to 400 and 450 to 500. He's third in 450 to 500, sixth in 350 to 400 in the last 50 rounds. So I like that play uh, with Horschel. But I'd rather go um, Palmer over Kokrak uh, this week uh, in cash or GPPs. This is the, that's just the way I like it. I mean, Kokrak, he could go off. Uh, but I, you know, I just haven't. I'm not a big Kokrak guy. At least I haven't been, and it's, it's cost me a little bit because he has played well. Yeah, um, and keep an eye on ownership because if, if you're glossing over him, and, and that's the facts. I mean, he's popping everywhere. If, if he's going to be like five or ten percent owned somehow, then by all means, I'll be I'll be heavy on him. All right, that sounds good. So let's move on to the 6K range. Uh, I, I talked about Ryan Palmer. I do like him a lot. Uh, Streelman looks like he's viable after a really strong finish last week. Again, another guy who's good at the shorter par fours. Um, you know, T to green solid iron games have been good. He's been better at sh- like, sh- like hundred to 125 yards instead of a hundred to 25 to 150 yards, but still the wedge play is still solid. Uh, I sort of like Dylan Fratelli uh, a little bit. If you look at his recent stats in the last 12 rounds, I mean, he's just been crushing it. Uh, you know, fifth in strokes gain approach top 10 in both birds are better game DK points fourth in strokes game par three. So I like Fratelli uh, in that range. I'll go to Siwoo as well at uh, 6,500. I think 18 or more birdies in his last two or three events. He's been playing pretty good golf, Uh, you know, always overlooked. And it can always pop out of fucking nowhere. We know that's Siwoo. Uh, You know, and he's he's the best in the last 12 rounds in par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards in this field. Uh, I'll also play Sun Kang. We talked about him a little bit earlier. He had a good showing last week. He's been playing pretty decent golf recently, and it's $6,300. That seems cheap. Uh, another guy, Chan Kim, 6300 He's first 
in the Japan uh, order of merit. Uh, so he's been playing pretty good golf. He's he's talented. Uh, you got the Japan Tour isn't great, but it's not like no slouch. I mean, they got some good players on there. And he's leading uh, the, the order of merit there. Um, Rio Ishikawa. Uh, we sort of been missing him. I mean, the guy was supposed to be like the can't miss new dude. Like he was supposed to be Hideki before Hideki. Uh, and we saw his game fall off a little bit. But I think if I if I if I'm not mistaken, he has seven top fifteens including two wins in his last nine events. So it looks like the game is trending upwards for him. And for another guy, you could take a flyer at 5%, you know, 2% owned, 3% owned in GPPs for $6,400. Who do you like in this range? I'm going to mention some stuff on some guys. Like I said before, I'm not going to go heavy down here this week. I'll probably play, you know, max of one of these guys in my lineups, maybe two in some of the lineups just to make stuff fit. But you talked about Palmer already. One interesting one there, right at 6,800 was Graham McDowell. Uh, another guy, comp course-wise, Heritage, Valspar, solid putter and scrambler, decent last week out. He's coming off 16th and 15th. Uh, you know, he's just a, a solid dude that gets there all around, much like a Streelman, who you mentioned, who I don't mind as well. Uh, definitely like Streelman. He's one of the better Vegas odds down here, sort of another guy that pops in that sense. Uh, Siwoo, you mentioned. I was already going to mention that because he's like the super Vegas odds fave down in this range. They're scared of Siwoo, right? They know he can pop at any time. Just look at the players. Not everyone was on it, but there was guys across Twitter and the industry that had him at, I think, as high as 500 to 1 and plus. So Pete, you talk about the par 4 scoring, can pop at any time. Definitely like him. Another guy I like a little bit more as, you know, the ones that I'm talking about are the ones that I'll probably play in my pool. But Domin, um, ball, ball striking, fairways, long irons, all good. 16th at Heritage, 30th at Valspar. We know he can get hot and score and pretty much exactly what we want in a no-cut event. So, don't mind him being a little bit more acclimated over there. Sung Kang, who you mentioned. Uh, Chan Kim, just coming off a win. You already talked about him at Japan Tour. I get it. But again, coming off a win into this event. Just got one. 6,300. He's like 125 to 1. And the guys around him are 175, 225, 175s. I'm using a little bit of that stuff this week just to get an idea, right? It's just to see. Doesn't It's not the be-all, end-all. But if he's going to be in there and he's got some upside, no one's going to be on him. I'll chuck 5%. Uh, and then last two to round it out, one that, you know, I like a lot more is Von Taylor. Just going back to him, I know he didn't do shit last week, but he cost me a little bit in some of my lineups. But at 6,100, again, long-term stats, he pops. I'm not going to say off of one week I'm off of him. Uh, they're just they're too good to ignore. Fairways, bo- bogey avoidance, putting, DK, birdie or better, everything over the last 50 does pop. And for him to go down almost five, four or 500 bucks, I don't mind that. And then just to tell you that also, I did Also one of the best wedge players in the field. Yeah. I like that. I like that. As I said, at 6,100, he's the guy who can make stuff fit. So one that I'm actually interested in down there. And then one more guy just to have notes on is C.T. Pan. Again, only saw six holes last night, not to smash that in the mouth, but the same thing. I only watched a little bit of it, but obviously fairways are important. Greens are important. That's what C.T. Pan does. Where did C.T. Pan get his win? Heritage. Where did he play well at before that? Honda. Fairways, greens. Like I said, guys, all day. So don't mind him at 6,200. We know he can get up, get upside rolling there. And if he gets the putter going, which he's not terrible, he could pop for 6,200 as well as a cheaper version of some of these other guys we mentioned. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to have to use a bunch of these 6K guys if I'm going to play a lot of Rory and JT. This is the way it's going to have to be. I'll, so. I'll, that's what I'm saying. I, I said I'm not going to play. I'll see how it shakes out. But as it looks like right now, I'm just not going to go crazy with them. But I want to make sure we get the notes to the people. Lots of good stuff on those guys and lots of opportunity in a no-cut event to mix them into your lineups. All right, so let's get to the, the betting segment here, Tambo. Who you got this week? Six-pack, man. We're sticking with it. So, uh, Woodland. A lot of guys that I said I'm not really as heavy on, but, you know, some of them turn out to be hedges. Just the way it works out as the day goes on, I make a lot of my bets a little bit earlier. So uh, Woodland, X, I got Xander. Sorry, Woodland at 25 I got, X at 22. No E-Tray on those guys. 
Talked about Horschel, got him at 50 with the each way. Got Garcia at 50 with the each way, just a field play. Uh, and then Putnam, 66 with the each way. Again, not as high on him for DFS as I am just to have this, just in case he keeps doing what he's been doing with that putter. Uh, and then Kokrak, 100 to 1 with the each way, which I saw has dropped heavily since I got it. So I really like that one at 100 to 1 with the each way. All right, I got five bets this week. I'm going to go Rory up top at 8.5 to 1. Uh, he's going to be one guy that I think him or JT probably have, probably going to win. Uh, that's just the way I feel about it. And so I'm going to go watch JT win again. I did the same thing last week with Kepka and JT, and, of course, JT won. So, but I'm going to go Rory at 8.5 to 1. Uh, I'm going to go Woodland at – I got 28 to 1 for Woodland. Um, Tiger, 33 to 1. Hadwin, 50 to 1. Ryan Moore, 50 to 1. So those – are going to be my five picks this week. I don't have I don't have really a long shot because I don't think there's going to be a long shot that surprises and wins. Uh, I mean, I, w- I could be wrong. We saw what Danny Lee did last week, uh, but I'm just going to go with those five guys. And the thing is, if you look all the way back to the uh, the beginning of the FedEx Cup playoffs, so in the last nine events, uh, nobody more than 50 to one has won. Nobody longer than 50 to one won, has won. So yeah, I'm, going to, I'm going to stick with that, and I'm going to go all my picks under 50 to one this week. All right. So do we miss anything, there, brother? I don't think so, man. That's good. Like you said, the, those odds make sense. And I, you know, four out of my six are there. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. But like you said, I think it's going to be one of the big dogs. So I'm not going too heavy as far as dollars and figures on these ones. All right. Sounds good. Uh, tell them where they can find you there, Tambo. Yeah. You mentioned Kenny gupscorner.com. Same spot. They find both of us now, but this, the big thing is like you said, with that code, this is the best code DGen 25. We, we've had it before on this pod, but it's not very often it comes around. It's only for this week with the NBA launching. We talked about it in previous pods, guys. Remember, now is the time because you can also, when you jump on with just the content analysis package, you still get to test out the PGA tools for completely free. So that even though that's an add-on normally, you're going to get those for completely free. You'll get a bonus code once you're a member in the Slack of what you'll be able to buy those at when they do go live. And they're going to be incredible this year. I've already seen some of the stuff, obviously being there, being a partner, seeing behind the scenes. They're insane. Uh, you know, lots of great stuff that's going to be out. You get to test them all for the rest of the swing season, and then they'll be back for the Tournament of Champions. You'll get them from there. So uh, excited about that. Other than that, find me on Twitter, at Toteg and Tambo. Hook me up with a follow there, and let me know if you have any questions. Send me a DM or whatnot. All right. You can find me at Gups Corner. My article is already out uh, for the Zozo Championship. I do a course preview and stats to look for every week. I'm always on there. Slack chat. You know, use promo code DJ25. Get yourselves a subscription. And you can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. Uh, you know, I'll be live tweeting. Uh, night golf it's it's my time of year and also you might want to mute me if i go crazy because the nats are playing the world series this week uh, so that's gonna be that's a big deal for everyone around you know for my area uh and for my squad so uh i'll be out there tweeting a bunch this week all right guys good luck let's win some motherfucking money Gen nation fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.